You want to serve the Lord, you've got to keep doing it. See, when they want to shut you down, keep going. Anybody fail or lose a position in a church, keep going. Keep getting up. Keep going because you got to do it until it works. you got to start with your own life. The Bible says save yourself from this untoward generation, from a world that cannot continue on. It can't continue on because it's in a constant decline because of sin and the enemy. The enemy came, caught us up. Now we're stuck in that situation without Jesus. Amen. We have to work it until it works. Until it works. Go to the next slide. I'm going to uh, read out of the Bible, King James. First, I mean, First Kings, and it is King James Bible. First, and I'm sorry about the size. It just, I mean, I'm sorry about that. I powerpointed that last night. Um, King James, First uh, King, Kings. Chapter 17, 17 through 24. And if you don't got the Bible, I'll read it and uh, you can follow along. Let me get here. Let me see. 17 and 17 through 24. And this is part of it. This is this is just part of the message. This is the beginning. So bear with me. I'm going to work through this thing. It's God give me strength. It says, and it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto, uh, come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? I'm going to stop right there, but then I'll continue in a moment. See, some of the times when we are in a situation when we are with someone, we're in someone's house, at their church, and they perceive, okay, things are going bad here because of this. Or were you sit here to uh, hinder the anointing? Were you sit here to hinder God's will? There's an answer to it. It's just timing. It's God's timing. It's not a person causing a conflict. It is God causing us to stir up what he put in us so that we can continue to move on. Right here it says, and to slay my son. Verse 19. And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took him out for, uh, of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he had abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O oh Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times. That's, that's what we got to remember. He had to do it again until it works. He stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O oh Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him in unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by thee, by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord, in, uh, that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is true. So 
when you pay attention to what is actually taking place here? A few things. She believed letting that man into her house. She's a widow. Her husband's dead. She let that man into her house. And she believed this is the punishment of the Lord. Oh, Lord, my son is now dead. And she doesn't know that Elijah came in that house and also perceived the same thing. Lord, are you punishing this woman? Have you brought this upon her in my sight to take the life of her son? But Elijah took the child and gave the child his bed, laid him down, and laid upon the child. But the Bible says Elijah cried to the Lord. He cried out to him. That's one of the things we have to learn how to do. When circumstances get bad, when they seem like they are dead, when they seem like they can't live again, we have got to learn how to stop paying attention to the circumstance and look to God and cry out to him. Lord, have mercy on the situation that's keeping me from realizing your holiness. we got to cry to the Lord. Amen. And the Bible says he did it three times. He laid up on the child who was dead until God gave a soul back to a body. Amen. That's God taking a soul gone and placing a soul back. Amen. Because of the perseverance of a man of God. Amen. It's God who made it able. But it is us who have to bow down. It's us who have to give that attention. It's us who have to cry out and believe. If something is broken in our lives, anything, anything, someone's lacking the Holy Ghost, anything, you've got to place your attention on God for that thing. He placed his attention on God while laying on the child. Lord, I will give my life for your answer for the child. Elijah was willing to lay among the dead to find life again for somebody else. And that's what we got to do. We wait too long to see what God has for us. Yeah. I spent years waiting. Lord, when? And God said now. He said now. It is the opportunity for us all to be who we want to be. See, this church here is a setup. It's a setup. It's a setup so that we all can be who we were supposed to be. Oh, man, God has us covered here. You can serve them how you want to serve them. You can be who you want to be. Because I'm not here to stop nobody's gift. Because God didn't stop mine. He let me sit among people for years holding my mouth. But he already had gave me the anointing. It's the word of God that sets us free. Oh, he's ready for us. He want to know how much you want. He want to know how much you want. God is Alpha and Omega, and he wants us to ask for all of the answers. See, if somebody's dead, and you can say give them life, and God gives them life again, he wants to know how much you want. Elijah wasn't dead. Elijah wasn't in trouble. Elijah wasn't worried. It was because of the child. Elijah cried out to God. And God gave life back to a child. That's what we got to do. Hallelujah. We've got to give our time and our attention back to the thing that matters the most. Trouble in the home? Bring God in that home. Cry out. Trouble at the job? Cry out. Trouble in the, in the church? Cry out to God and he'll bring us through that thing. But you got to do it until it works. 
You got to do it until it works. You got to be willing to stay until it happens. Was it Jacob that wrestled the angel? Jacob wrestled an angel all night long. He would not let an angel of heaven go. The angel said, let me go. It is almost daytime. Somebody's going to see you doing this. Somebody's going to spot the divine from heaven. You've got to let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. See, and, and the angel had to smoke Jacob and break his hip so that Jacob would let him go. He had to physically, permanently injure this man. So he'll let him go. But God changed Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel. Because God said, if this one man can hold on to the divine for a blessing, then he represents a whole country that needs to hold on until I bless them. That's our problem today. We don't know how to hold on long enough. We don't know how to get down on our knees long enough. We don't know how to call on the Lord long enough until he bless us. He wants our attention. The Bible says the creation of God is earnestly waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The Bible says they're groaning in travail waiting. The world is in pain waiting to see who God has placed in front of them to say, hey, let's go this way. I found the Lord Jesus. Follow me to salvation because he wants to know. The world is sad and lonely and broken because we have not stood up to say, follow us because we're following Jesus. We can't be prideful. I'm the leader. I'm nobody's leader. If I don't preach the gospel, I get to burn. Not y'all. Y'all don't have to burn with me. If I don't do the job, I don't get the ticket to heaven because I'm called to do it. I'm called to tell the truth. I'm called to, the Bible says, cry out and spare not. Jesus says, speak and hope, do not hold your peace, for I am with you. And the Bible says, and no man shall crush you. When you have the faith that God will do it, you have to do the job. It is very important. Very important. Elijah had to do the thing three times. If a dead person is laying there, and God forbid, because we all had to see it recently, truthfully, we all had to see it. It was treacherous. Lay on it. Lay on the body. Not only lay on the body, cry to God for the body. It don't work the first time. You lay on the body again and cry to God again and it don't work again. And you got to get up and go back. And then you come back and lay on the body again and cry out to the same God again. And then the power of God takes place and it works. That's because giving up is not part of the plan. Quitting is not part of the plan. Misdirection is not part of the plan. You have to stick to what you know is in your heart that God gave you to do, and that's the only plan. If God said do it, you got to do it. Yes, All throughout the book of Psalms, you can read about play, pray, uh, play, praising God and playing the instruments and serving them. Brother Tim can play those things. You got to do it. You got to do it. It's good for him. And they all sitting right here. Have at it. It's all there, Tim. It's there for you. Play those instruments. It's good for us to follow what God has called us to do. Because when doing so, we open up other people's gifts. Amen. With doing so, Elijah's voice brought life. It saved Amen. a kid. His words, what God called him to do, saved a kid that was already gone. Whatever we're capable of is going to save other people around us. Because it's our duty. We're all part of the body. 
If the arm needs rubbing, you're going to have to use the other arm and the hand. It's, it's needed. The knees need rubbing. You're going to have to use the body. But thank God the body is the body of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We have to be able to tell people that he redeems and he heals and he saves and he restores and he renews and he makes whole again. He's the resurrection. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. All right. And so we're going to go to the book of John. Say John chapter 9, verse 1 through 4. And this is the King James, I'm sorry, for those that don't have it. King James Bible. Chapter 9, 1 through 4. All right. And, Jesus, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. And I'm going to read verse 5 as well. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus was speaking concerning a man who was blind. A man who was blind from birth. This is a thing that resonates in the heart of people that got to understand how long they've either had affliction or how long they've been suffering from a situation or how long they've been stuck in a problem that they've learned to accept in their lives. You don't have to. This man was born blind. Jesus ended up healing this man. This man here in the Bible had Jesus spit on the ground and made clay. I'm going to paraphrase because it's right here. Spit on, his, on the ground, made clay, placed it on the blind man's eyes. And then while the clay is on this blind man's eyes, go. Dip yourself in the pool, a siloam, which the word means scent. So even if you have a situation in your life that's sticking to you, seems like it's always been there, when the Lord Jesus Christ gives you a commandment to do something, as you go to the place where he sent you, then you shall see clearly what it is he called you to do. We're blind until we obey. We're blind until we obey what God is saying to us. It is not the things we choose to do. It is what he commanded us to do. This man was blind at birth. How nasty is it for somebody to spit on the ground, make clay, pile it on your face, just say, get walking. Go walk over there and go and get in the pool. I'm not going with you. You go, because I sent you. But when he gets there, siloam is called sent. The word itself for the pool he was dipped in is called sent. Because when you can't see clearly, you must obey the direction Jesus is sending you. And then when you get there, and when you obey, then you will see clearly what the Lord has been trying to get out of you all along. 
A lot of times we're in a place we're not supposed to be. And when Jesus meets us there, that's because he's telling us to get going. Get out of that place and go to where I sent you so you can see what I have for you. You have to change direction. And you've got to do it until it works. You've got to work it until it works. If that man had stayed there and said, Lord, but I'm blind. Why don't you just remove the clay? Heal me. Because people have their way to talk to Jesus. They believe they can tell Jesus how to heal them. Lord, heal me right here in this place. I know you can. He wants you to get moving. He's a moving Lord. He's got moving faith. He wants you to take the steps to salvation. There's a man in the Bible with leprosy. Naaman. Naaman had leprosy, and you know your body starts falling apart. That's on the next slide. Actually, honey, go ahead and click the next one. I know you got the baby. I'm sorry. There it is. The first one is Elijah laying down on the child three times. We talked about that. More than once is what it is. You gotta do things. It's gonna have to happen. You gotta do it more than once. Learning how to ride a bike more than once. All the time. Learning how to tie your shoes more than once. Learning how to count alphabets, sing, dance, drive a car, live life, speak, breathe, comb your hair, shake more than once. You're going to have to do it until you get it right. The Lord is not too overwhelming to try to force you to get it right the first time. He want to see if you want to keep going. And see, we don't understand that because the Lord said, come to me as a child. What he's trying to say is, do what you see your baby do and you'll get the results that your baby got. Your baby was born untalking, now they talking. They couldn't walk when they were born, now they're walking. They didn't know how to ask, now they're asking. They didn't know how to follow the parents, now they following the parents. They ask the parents what they want and they know the parents is going to give it to them because they're asking. The Lord wants us to be that way. He wants us to ask him so we can receive. He wants us to follow him so we can receive it. He wants us to keep on going daily following behind him until we receive it. He don't want us to wait. No way. And that's where it shows right there. The second one, Naaman was told by Jesus to go dip seven times. Now, in my opinion, I got, everybody that know me know I got skin condition. Oh, it wrecked me. Wrecked me for 15 years of my life. I'm talking about one time in my life, and this is a testimony. My skin turned six or seven colors, not a gland, every single day. I would turn, this is not a fantasy, I would turn light blue, red, yellow, orange, pink, purple, green, pitch black, back pure white, not a lie, every day. The skin peeled off my face 11 times a day, not a joke. Hands curled up, I could not move them. I was totally handicapped. No skin at the bottom of my feet, on the top of my feet, nowhere. Eyebrows gone, eyelashes gone, dust flying in my eyes, body locked in, couldn't function. 15 years after God called me. This is after he anointed me. That's the thing people don't know. I was anointed to preach the gospel in 1999 and for the next 15 years, my body was covered in uncontrollable rash. I'm talking about scales all over my body. My face will peel 11 times. My mother's there to contest. She's right there. She can you an answer. Body balled up, hands locking, couldn't think, couldn't see, couldn't function. The skin would come out the inside of my eyelashes, inside of my eyelids, in my mouth. But see, the thing was, 
I kept on trusting God for my healing. It's only when I stopped taking medicine that my body healed. Only when. I was at the doctor, I had to do these therapies where I stand in this thing hot like the sun, stand in this big booth all the way over my head and they fry me. I can hear my body sizzling. I did it three times a week because I had to have direct sunlight to my body to try to rejuvenate and reboot my skin after they lather me with something this thick of whole body of some kind of a steroid into my body. That's very unhealthy for your organs. Very unhealthy. I stopped hardly seeing. I couldn't hear. You remember 2005? Couldn't hardly see. Could not hardly hear. Could not hardly think straight. Could not recognize whether my fingers were my feet or my feet were my fingers because of the medicine. Hair falling out of my head. Eventually I had to go through the treatment that people go through for cancer. Honestly. Radiation therapy. Not the chemo. They gave me the bad stuff. But my perseverance right here in my heart kept me believing that God was able to redeem me and he brought me through it. So I'm a testimony that God can deliver you. He can save you. He can redeem you. No matter what's wrong in a household, in a job, anywhere you go, God himself is already ready to save you. He wants to know, will you keep on going? Through that hard time, mm. through that rough stuff, yeah. through that browbeating, mm. through that pain, yeah. through that judgment, through that being talked about, being put down, being put aside. He wants to know if you're able to continue on forever because he wants to save you forever. He wants you in heaven forever. He don't want you suffering, but he knows you got to because it proves that his mercy endures forever. It proves that his grace is sufficient. It proves that he's always there, no matter what happens. Okay, let me see. And, and the guy where, okay, Jesus spit on the man's eyes and made him see. Okay. These are all some of the same repetition where Jesus had also, and the reason why I didn't put the verses up there, I did that on purpose. So when people read it, they can go find it in their own Bible, give you a little exercise. So when you're looking for it in the Bible, you can study and then find out what was actually before that, what was after that, what was the chapter. See, what I'm trying to do is get us to realize that these small portions of the Bible are very small portions of the Bible, and we need to read all of it in order to get the understanding. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word. He wants you to live by it. Because when someone approaches you, he wants the Holy Spirit inside of you to answer the question for you. He wants the Holy Spirit inside of you to tell you what they're telling you, whether it's right or wrong. Because if somebody come up to you and say, oh yeah, you got to place something right under the tree and wait till Sunday, then your mind's going to say, where is that in the Bible? But if you're not reading the Bible, you're going to start believing them until you've read the word enough and someone approach you with some strange doctrine. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you, no, 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 no. That's not a God. And then you just walk away from that. You don't have to. You thank them for their time and you walk away from that. But that's why we have to put this in you. So that's why I wrote small phrases, no verses. For if you find it in the Bible, when you find it, you'll be so full of more of the Bible. By the time you get there, your knowledge would have increased beyond those small phrases. Now, that was a man in the Bible, once again. Blind. Jesus spit and put his hands on the man's eyes. This is... Second time Jesus spit 
He spit and made clay. Then he just spit and directly applied it to the man. Now, God gave me a different understanding of that, which I might not share today is very deep. But when the man opened his eyes, Jesus says, do you see? He said, I see men as trees. First off, my question would be, how does a blind man know what a tree looks like? So the Lord had done something mighty in him and gave him the ability to see us like God sees us because we're trees planted by the water. But the Bible says Jesus took his hands and placed it on his eyes again. Okay, I put too much spit. Let me wipe some off. That's my impression. He placed his hands on the man's eyes and prayed again. And behold, the man seen clearly. Now we all know Jesus Christ is our savior. Why did he have to do it more than one time? He's showing us no matter who I am, I'm going to show you that some things take time. And some things you got to do more than one time. So it's very important for us to understand that if the Lord of hosts, the savior of the world, the Alpha and Omega, the son of the living God had to do it more than once. He's telling us, don't give up because it failed one time. Don't give up because we didn't get it right. Don't give up because they hate you. If the world hates you, they hate me too. See, that's what we got to understand. We're kicked out of places because the world hated Jesus. We have them marked in our hearts. So the world ain't going to like that. If you find something mediocre, we all came from those places. I'm not going to judge them. I'm just going to explain and understand that those places were not preaching the gospel. They're using the word to draw you in, but they're not using the word to lift you up and draw you out. You need to be able to go out and preach that word, but they can't do it if they don't got the ability. You can't do it without it. But for Jesus himself, the resurrection, that if you're in him, you rise again, did it twice. Then he's saying to us, we got to do it more than once. We got to do it until it works. We got to be able to maintain until it works. There's power in the Lord. There's power in what he's called us to do. Every single person in here knows from the beginning of their life to this moment that there is something that they are supposed to do. No matter what it is, you know you have to take hold of the Lord's promise in your life in order to be redeemed. And if you have not received God's spirit, you need to do it until it works. You have to continue on. Whatever God is saying to us now, we have to continue on. A few weeks ago, I was stirred up in my own living room. Very small living room, so it's easy to get stirred up in it. You spin around in a circle, you've met the whole house. Period. And God was moving, and I couldn't control it. And I was agitated and irritated. Me and Brother Steve sitting days and nights trying to figure out where do we go and how do we do it. And nobody let you do it. Nobody. When they bind you, they bind you. And I was stirred up. I said, we need to do something. We need to do something. We got to do something. My wife goes online in the bedroom, comes out. Hey, call this guy. I'm like nervous. I don't know. I'm not doing it. I text him the next day. He said, let's meet at IHOP. We go to IHOP. He says, whoa, God showed me both of you in a dream. Keys. Long story short, here's the keys. I go home, we're leaving home, he calls, hey, preach on Sunday. I ain't preached on no Sunday in so long, I don't even remember what it sounds like. I've been sitting down for years. The second I get there, 
On this location right here, the spirit of the Lord must have hit me so hard I could not understand. I never preached like that in my life. And the spirit of the Lord did it. And what God was showing me is when I send you, I will redeem you when you get there. When you are not in the right place, you're never going to feel comfortable. You're never going to feel okay. You're never going to feel what God has called you to do. And you're never going to be able to sit still until you get to the very location that God called you to be. And then he will show up and then he will show you what he has called you to do. That's what happened. That's what happened. I'm living in something similar to a dream. Three weeks ago, I was in my living room wondering what to do. Here I am preaching the gospel the third time in that short span. It's all the way comfortable because when I get up here, I don't have to do a whole lot of thinking. Steve, I write down whole entire messages. It makes me sick. I write down stuff and I be trying to figure out stuff and it never happens the way I want it to happen because when I get up here, I can feel the spirit of the Lord moving through me to speak to the people and I'm learning with them. I know what to do now that when we leave from here. I know what I can do next. I know that the hard times come, but God is still able. I know it because it's important. And what's more important is that we, as the children of God, begin to do like Elijah. Elijah was before Jesus got the body. But Elijah was doing the works that the Lord called us to do. We have power to raise the dead, heal the sick, sight to the blind, preach the gospel all over the world. I'm paraphrasing it. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. All over the world, the Lord wants us to preach. But we have the power to do it now. Brother Steve, when you go out of the country, don't you got the power to do it? It's more power. You're not restricted like you are here in this town. Nobody is. You go out, and when you get there, that's when the Lord's there. Just like the fellow who went to the pool of Siloam. When he got there, then he could see. That's what God has for us. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to get to the point that we are listening to his voice and obeying him directly. And when we get there... We'll see. It'll be already ready. We'll already be redeemed. He'll already be able to give us the opportunity to preach and teach and heal and deliver and restore and preach his word. His word is made manifest. He said in the Bible, you have the power to tread upon scorpions, upon serpents, and the power of the enemy. You have power to give sight to the blind, heal those that can't hear. Even raise the dead. He said you have power to preach the gospel all over the world. To preach the good news. He said, but don't rejoice in that. Rejoice because we this was the last couple Sundays ago. Your name is written in heaven. Amen. The second you have his spirit, it was your signature in heaven. That's what you want to make sure of. You want to make sure that you feel the spirit of God inside of you because that is your signature that your name is written in heaven. That's what we want. So when we preach in that gospel, that signature is following us. It's allowing us to know, oh, it's in heaven. So what it does it is allows us to share that information with other people that the same God that saved me is ready for you. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. 
Share that word. Trust the Lord. Amen. And no matter what, do it until it works. Amen. Until it works. Amen. That's it. You can go to the next slide. Amen. And so, again, I wrote, again, or for the first time, you got to repent of sin. You got you to gotta say sorry. You got to give it away. You got to turn away. You got to give it up. And whatever worked in you, through you, for you, by God, whatever did it, you got to recommit your life to it. You got to recommit your life again, or you got to recommit your life for the first time. You got to turn in. You got to get in it. And also, repeat what worked before. I wrote that at the last one. Repeat what worked before. Because if it worked before and you stopped working it, it was you that stopped working it. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. It was us that stopped working it and we could let the enemy get in the way. But Jesus said, don't hold your peace. He is the peace giver. Don't hold your peace. He says, speak. Cry out. Spare not. He wants us to be able to do exactly what he called us to do. He wants us to be able to preach exactly how he called us to preach. Teach the word exactly how he called us to teach it. And walk upright the way he called us to walk upright. We have got to show more Jesus. The truth of the matter is this. We're at the end of the world. We're at the end of time. Everybody in this room knows somebody that's died. It's terrible. My dad's in the ground somewhere. What a nightmare. But what does that tell you? That every day somebody's going into the ground. Every day. And we're taking it lightly. We're too afraid to go confess Jesus the Savior to deliver them. We're too afraid to grab them and say, let's go get you baptized so you can be saved. Let's pray with you until the Spirit of the Lord enters your body and writes your name in heaven. We need this. We got to be soldiers. That's why the youth are important. They don't care. They'll do it. They don't care. You know it. They'll do it. Kids will get up and go do it now. They don't care. Those kids are aggressive about God. But we got to get that same aggression. It's strange how we get caught up in the inability to flow in God as adults. As bigger people, as older folk. You let these 10 year olds and 11 and 12 year olds run us into the ground, but I love it because it causes us to stir up just the same. And God is still being praised no matter what because those children are praising the Lord. Just like when Jesus entered into this temple on the donkey and there were kids in there, he said, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. It is because the children don't know no better but to do exactly what they're told. And that is what's right. If you tell them to do what's right, they're going to only want to do what's right. That's how we got to be. We've got to move past whatever has been hindering us from getting into the position that God wanted us in from the beginning. We're all brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and it is very important for us to stand in that position doing what we're called to do. Because if you're doing something and you can feel God's spirit stirring up in you, you must continue to do it because that same spirit in you is going to project out into the congregation or wherever you are so others may know that God is in the room. Yes. 
When those people were in the upper room, 120, of course, the Bible says they were with one accord worshiping Lord. They were with one accord. They did it together because they knew it was very important that we as people will worship the Lord with all of our heart. We got to thank him because our name is written. And then his spirit came. How is it that we who have his spirit don't even worship him like that? They didn't even have it. The Bible says, and then a wind, and then the spirit rested on them. They didn't have it until they worship. We have it and don't want to worship. Because little things bother us. Little things move us to confusion. Little things make us disturbed and distressed. But really, we need to give it all to God. We need to have one accord with the Lord. We need to have that focus with God so that we'll be able to stand. And whenever it's all over or whenever we feel weak, we got to continue to stand and do it until it works. Amen. Upper room, they did it until it works. Amen. All right, that's it for today, y'all. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. We was going to do prayer if y'all want it, but we can all stand and uh, pray together. You know, for those that can't stand, Trini, you might just, like you said, you got the baby. All right. <laughs> Let the baby get in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Almighty God, we thank you for allowing us to come together. Lord, to hear about your word and not only that, to fellowship with one another and speak of your goodness. Father, we ask that as you are here today, that you would go with us wherever we are. Speak to us in our hearts the way you choose to speak to us. Use us, almighty God, for your divine glory while we're still in the land of the living. For Jesus said we need to work while it is still day. Bless us in the day of life that we continue to work and strive for salvation. Lord God, that your holy will be done and that Jesus be lifted up so all men be drawn unto him. Lord God, cleanse us of all pollution, all unrighteousness, all doubt, fear, shame, and any form of distraction in this life so that our full attention will be on you, almighty God. Bless your word to be alive in us. Bless your word to be in our minds and in our hearts and in our souls and that we hunger and thirst after righteousness forever. Lord, you are good to us in every way. We ask that you bless us as we go out and bless us as we enter in and as we drive on the roads and wherever we may be. Lord, and when people see us, that they see Jesus Christ shining through us. That when they hear us speak, that they hear the truth of Jesus Christ as we speak. And as we live, that we live according to obedience in your word. Father, we give you praise. We give you honor and glory forevermore. Lord, this is the blessing we ask of you today. Nevertheless, God, your will alone, let that be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right.